Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's going to be sick. And welcome to another edition of the ITS here on the Sick Podcast Network. Jimmy Murphy, Pierre McGuire here. Another week and uh, only a few more games left here before we officially hit the All-Star break. I think a lot of people around the league feel like it's already at that point. But as you pointed out to me today, a couple key games coming up uh, before that break. And, and one team to focus on, Pierre, would be the Nashville Predators. Yeah, they're you know, coming to chase up on, obviously, the L.A. Kings, who are in a total freefall L.A., has two wins in their last 16 games. They've got six loser points, Jimmy. But when you look at Nashville, they played tonight in Ottawa, an Ottawa team that got shellacked by the New York Rangers on Saturday. And then they play home against the L.A. Kings on Wednesday, talking about Nashville. Nashville's legit, Jimmy, in terms of being relevant for the playoffs. I think Barry Trotz has done a good job there as a new general manager. Andrew Burnett's gone in, brought a lot of enthusiasm into the way they're playing. They've got some young guys that are really starting to step up. Ryan O'Reilly um, and Forsberg have been phenomenal as offensive catalysts. Uh, the leadership of Ryan McDonough has been great, and I think everybody knows about UC Saros and goal. So for the LA Kings, you hate to say you got to look in the rearview mirror now after the start they had. They do. But they desperately have to, Jimmy. I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no joke now for them. And, and, you know, I thought a better effort, uh, Pierre, on Sunday against St. Louis. They lost yes. no more time, but I did think it was a better effort. But still, you know, we deal in a, a league of results here, and they, they still lost the game. They got a point, but uh, they need to be learning how to finish these games off with a win. And it seems like L.A. has completely forgot to do that. And I think now you're right. You look at a team like Nashville, who's quietly put together a pretty respectable season, and – They've got some stuff to play with at the deadline, Pierre. They do. There's no question they do. Um, and they've got some young forwards, you know, that are starting to find themselves mm-hmm. uh, in terms of – I can just tell you this. I really thought at the beginning of the year they weren't getting consistent offense from Forsberg um, and from O'Reilly. They were doomed. They were done. Well, yep. they, they've gotten elite goaltending. I think everybody in the league would agree to that. They've gotten some real good defense, especially from Roman Yossi, Ryan McDonough, and Alex Carrier. Um, and then you, you look at the big thing, I think, is that young guys have started to get more comfortable playing there for Andrew Burnett. And yep. because of that, they're starting to step up. And that's nobody I thought, including me, thought that um, L.A. would swoon like this. But they're in free fall. They're in total yeah, free fall. And you mentioned the goalie uh, for Nashville, of course, UC Saros. Let's go to a clip right now. I don't know if you saw this save here, but last week he just robbed Patrick Kane. And, you know, I, I want to ask you what that does for a team when they see their goalie make save after save like that. Let's go to this clip right now. The first power play of the night for the Red Wings. Here's Gostas there. Takes the shot, save made. Comfer in front. They jam away at it to break it across. Wide open. Oh, oh what a save on Kane. Oh, oh Saros, what a stop. The best two, you got to find a video. You, you see Patrick Kane's face, and he's just like, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? There, there's a lot of great tandems out there broadcasting games, but Kenny Daniels and Mickey Redmond, to me, yes. are so much fun. They really you know, are. It's an old-school old broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not slick and overwhelming with all bells and whistles. 
It's just hardcore hockey for people that appreciate hardcore hockey and, and original yeah. six fans in Detroit appreciate what Mickey brings, which is a lot of experience and tremendous red wing passion. And Kenny's a pro. Like Kenny is a true Kenny Dan is a great. I've done games with him. He's a real professional. So you hear that call. Yeah. And I don't like it when the Red Wings lose. I get it. I, I listen to them all the time. But that's a fair, balanced, amazing call. Exactly. It's a yep. call by those guys. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. He gives credit where it's due, no matter what team they play for. And I love that. It's yeah. good to see still see that somewhere in the NHL. But Pierre, when you you get a goalie that can do that all the time. How much confidence is that giving the team? And especially now as we get into the real meat grind and the stretch run here, how key is it to have a goalie like him back there? Well, it's it's, it's critically important. And I know you've been a proponent of this for a long time, Jimmy. But here's the other thing. Goalies are – and this is why Marty Brodeur was so good. This is why Patrick Wall was so good. This is why when we had Tommy Barrasso at the top mm -hmm. of Pittsburgh, he was so good. Goalies are supposed to make saves, right? They're supposed to make – most of the routine saves it's the routine saves they don't make that are yeah. the problem so when you get a guy that makes all the routine saves like uc saros does mm -hmm. and then can come up with the spectacular saves like he did against patrick kane jimmy that's lightning in a bottle that's how you yeah. win that's a huge asset towards winning part of why la and you know you know i told you this a long time ago it's mm -hmm. not that i don't like cam talbot i think cam talbot's an amazing guy but I also know Cam Talbot's 36 years old. He's had major hip injuries and problems. He had them going before he even got to Minnesota. Yep. Uh, and then he gets moved to Ottawa, and that got magnified unbelievably in Ottawa. And everybody was writing about after 15 games that this is a great reclamation project. Not so fast. No. Know. You know, so it's not because Cam's not a good guy. It's not because Cam wasn't a good goalie. Cam's had major injuries. Yeah. And then they lose Phoenix Copley and, and, you know, it is what it is. And we've talked about this, Pierre. I mean, it just shows you the value that still needs to be put on the goaltenders. I mean, we, we've gone back and forth a couple of times on this show about how sometimes I think teams now are underestimating a goalie's value. So I'll give you an example because it hits close to home. And I'm sure I know you were watching the game. If you watch Ottawa versus the Rangers on Saturday night, mm -hmm. And you see Ottawa's got a 2 nothing lead. They're playing extremely well. And then all of a sudden, Corpusello doesn't start playing really well in mm -hmm. goal. And then he gives up the Kreider goal. And it's just the floodgates open. The guys yeah. are like, are you kidding me? And you, and even Jacques Martin, who's really mild-mannered when it comes right. to criticizing his players or speaking negatively in the press, said, well, at some point you got to get a save pretty much. Yeah. And you see know, how much that crushes a team. I mean, just crush their team. So instead yeah. of being up to nothing, they lose a game seven too. Yeah, so yeah. Just you, you know, you brought up Ryan O'Reilly. I want to switch to him, Pierre, on Nashville. I, I think everyone knew he was being brought in there to bring a lot of leadership, bring a lot of experience. But are you surprised at the uh, outpouring of points by him? Like that, he's really having the season he's having. No, I'm not. For whatever reason, again. I don't want to knock anybody in this league because if you have a job in this league, you've earned your job. Mm -hmm. When Toronto brought him in, I just didn't see the fit. You know, you've already got Austin Matthews. You've got John Tavares. Like, are you going to play Ryan O'Reilly really as a number three center? Yeah. Are you really going to play Ryan O'Reilly on the wing? Like, that's not his thing. Right. So the fit, it was just – it just didn't fit. And it, it was really uh, exacerbated when you watched. I mean, he just had no role with that team at all. Yeah. So it was kind of a misjudgment in terms of team building. 
but you, I'm not surprised Ryan's doing well. And he knows that division so well, from especially from his years in St. Louis. Right. He's, yeah, he's, he's having a great season. He's just a tremendous – and you know what, Jimmy? i got to tell you this right now. You get the privilege, as you do, and I have had over years, you meet a lot of these guys. He's a hockey player. Oh, he's yeah. He's not just a passionate hockey fan because he is. He knows everybody in the league. He's yep. a hockey player. Just watch him prepare for a game. Watch yeah. him train in the summer. He's just yep. he's a hockey player. That's what he is, and he's a really valuable one. And he definitely is a fan. I've had some good conversations. Just, you know, you're sitting there in the locker room, and he'll just talk and shoot the breeze with you. And when he wants to talk hockey, did you see that game last night? You see what so-and-so did. I love that when you can find a player like that. Mark Recchi was like that. I was just going to say, the wrecking ball is just like yeah. that. By the way, hey, Keith Jones, Danny Briere, everybody yep. in Philadelphia, I know you got pumped on Saturday. I get it. I totally get it. But that ceremony from Mark Recchi, really well done. That, great. That, had, that had a touch of Montreal Canadiens in it. And to me, nobody does a pregame ceremony better than the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, yeah. And, and I thought Philadelphia showed a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, and a lot of class. Thought yeah. it was really well, I thought it was really well done by their management team. And I, apparently they had the alumni game the night before against the Bruins alumni, and Rex said they had a ball. I mean, it's, it's great when those guys can catch up with each other after all those years. So it's, I, I've seen it happen, obviously, a lot this year with the Bruins centennial. But um, I'll tell you, though, I, they didn't play like the Flyers they were honoring, though. <laughs> well, no, they didn't. They did not. Well, you, you, know, you know how you know it's a – I know there's mutual admiration, but if you go back, I dare you to watch the tape. Go watch when Bob Clark and Bobby Orr line up for a faceoff before the Winter Classic at Fenway Park in 2010. 10. Right? Yep. 2010. The home team centerman is supposed to win the ceremonial faceoff. Clark, you didn't let Bobby Orr win. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the look on his face? On like, what, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you know, so all I know is this. I, I, I have so much respect for both Bobs, obviously. But yeah. Bob Clark, to me, personified what his entire organization was, a Philadelphia Flyer. Yeah. Whether you love them or hate them, they had an identity. And he was the ringleader. Oh, yeah. Um, and that just – that was an example of him being the ringleader. He's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're not beating me. You're a defenseman. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was a good night. It, I, you know, for, like I said, I wish they, they had a better game um, than they did. And that's one thing, too, Pierre, that we'll get into in a bit. I know we want to focus on the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I just – quick question, too, on Philly. You've been kind of warning lately, Pierre, the grind of the season is starting to chew them up. And I know they've got injuries. I know they got the Carter Hart situation. But still, you're starting to see maybe them kind of level off a bit. Um, I'm just wondering what happens going forward. Will they be able to seize that momentum they had before? This is part of where I thought they would be. The, the good news for them is they built up a lot of collateral in the first 45 games right. of the season, which is great news for them. And their fans, in terms of playing meaningful games, they have to hope, Jimmy, they have to hope that Pittsburgh in particular um, and maybe a couple other teams that are chasing – uh, don't really get on a heater. And if they mm -hmm. do, I think Philly's going to be in trouble to make the playoffs this year. But part of what's gone on, um, you can see they're not the same team defensively. I think that's fatigue. You talked about injuries, yes. You talked about the Carter Hart situation, yes. Um, but I would also say that realistically, they've done a lot of overachieving and they've gotten a lot out of a lot of people, including Owen Tippett, one of the guys that I yeah. know you've been bragging about and you've rightfully been bragging about him. Um, but they, they, 
you can see they're starting to hit the wall. And this, with a young team, this is usually when you hit the wall. Yeah, and, and you look at it, though, Pierre, I, I saw, I watched that whole press conference with Tortorella after that game. He handled it perfectly. And he just said basically everything you just said, too. He, he kept it real. He said, look, this is the reality of going through the grind of a season, just like you said. And he put everything in perspective. And I think it's good right now for that young group because for some of them, it's the first time they're experiencing this and, and getting a real kind of lull like this. I think it's great that they can have a guy like Tortorella to kind of guide them through. No, I think that's a great point. And, and I like Brad Shaw being there, and I think Brad can really help their defensemen. I really do. I, there's a lot to like there. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I give – that ceremony to me speaks of where Keith Jones and Danny Breer want to bring mm-hmm. this organization. And I, I yeah. support them for that. I think that's tremendous. It's great for their fans. You're going to see one of the things, and nobody wants to talk about it, but I will. I'm not afraid to. They've had a problem selling season tickets there. They have over the last little while because the team has lost their way. They've lost their identity. Bringing John back, Tortorella, or bringing him there helped them get an identity. Bringing Keith there and bringing Danny there, I think, helps them a little bit more. And yep. so they're going in the right direction. They, just like I think Montreal is going in the right direction, even though their fans are going to be upset. I think Montreal's going in the direction, right direction too. Yeah, they're going to be all right. Hey, let's talk about these Tampa Bay Lightning, all right? And right as you know, we were talking earlier, I got the email from the NHL, Pierre. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, first star of the week, four goals, five assists, a plus seven rating. I mean, if this guy and McKinnon are neck and neck right now for the heart, I don't know who is. Uh, he's done an amazing job, and they're kind of flying under the radar as well, Pierre. You've been warning that they are coming, and now every day it's kind of they're switching back and forth with Toronto uh, for that third spot in the Atlantic Division. What's helping Tampa get uh, get through this season so far? Their power play is really stabilized now. They're an elite power play team, and if you take three or more penalties against them, chances are you're not going to beat them, number one. Number two, you talked about Kucherov. Um, you can talk about Braden Point. You can talk about Steven Stamkos. Yep. You can talk about Nick Paul. There are a lot of guys there right now that are doing some really good things. Obviously, getting Vasilevsky back has been tremendously important for them. I think John is now sensing that his team is playing with a certain energy. You know, Brand, watch Brandon Hagel. The energy that Hagel plays with night in and night out, that's infectious. And yeah. I think that's helping their team a lot as well. So do they have as good a roster as maybe they had three years ago? No, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. They just don't. I mean, you know, there's no Goudreau. There's no Gore. There's no Coleman. You know, that's a lot. There's no Kalorn. Those are important players. Yeah. Um, but I will say that uh, John's done a nice job coaching them to Cooper, and they're getting goaltending now, and the, the power play is electrifying. It's just even though even though I had a chance to see some really good power plays over the course of my time, this one is crazy good. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's pretty potent. Pierre, if you had to look at them right now and you could just identify one need at the deadline, what are you trying? What's the void you're trying to fill? Yeah, I, I'd want a stabilizing defensive presence. Losing yep, McDonough uh, because of cap situation, um, and there—I won't even pretend. Tampa's a little like Vegas, Jimmy. Yes, they—they they can be really good in terms of family building, but when they identify an organizational need, the family kind of sometimes you got to push somebody out. Yeah, they do that, and they're not afraid to do that. They don't overextend on guys. So they thought they had to get rid of Ryan McDonough mm-hmm. not because they wanted to, but they had to just for cap reasons. 
And so I would say if I needed one thing there, I would say it'd be defense. Look, Ian Cole was a really good player for him too. They had to yep. move on from him. Um, so you, you just, again, they need, I think they need a real stabilizing, hard, in-your-face D-man. And if yep. they get that, I think they're going to have a chance to do some damage. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Pierre. We got some questions uh, lining up here. What do you think? I'm ready to do. Like, yeah, part of all, huh? this is that you've created this format that's so much fun. And I, Jimmy, I just love talking hockey. And, you know, like I, so just, again, I want the fans at home to know. Jimmy's got a great life away from the rink, except I bug him all the time. Oh, you don't bug It's yeah. my favorite part of the day. Trust me. I, I, trust I'm me. always bugging Jimmy about different things. So. No, it's good. I like, I like it. I like when we pick our brains uh, watching the games, too, and bouncing around to different games every night. Uh, it's good, Pierre, because otherwise I'm going to bore my girlfriend to death. So it's good we have it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, all right, let's go to the first question. What do we got? Alex Ivanovsky, what do you make of the St. Louis and Minnesota are going for in the big picture? Obviously, Minnesota has cap problems, but I look at both and just wonder what's the plan. Interesting. St. Louis is a real interesting team to me, Pierre. They've hung around as well. Kudos to them. They have. And I think part of that was the coach. And that's not a knock on, on Craig Berube. Right. They brought in a different voice. Um, and I think Drew's, Drew's done a nice job there, uh, Bannister. Um but part of it's the goaltending's been good, you know. Holfer played last night, and I thought he played well against L.A. Um, Bennington's been good when he's been in. Um, Kairou and Thomas have been excellent. You know, you see, <laughs> you see what's going on now with Shen. Shen's been hot all get out, especially in over. Yeah, so that's been really important for them. But I would just say they're playing with some enthusiasm, which is important. Um, I don't know if it's going to be enough to get them in. I just, yeah, I, I just don't know. It, yeah. you know what? You know how we have Eastern and what? Like you, you're spot on this. You Edmonton and Toronto. Toronto is Edmonton East, and Edmonton is Toronto West. Yep. So I'm just going to use this one for you, okay? When you think about St. Louis and where they are. Mm -hmm. I think the Islanders are St. Louis East. Great analogy. And I think St. Louis are the Islanders West. Yep. Yep. So and I you know what? They both the change Islanders. coaches. They both change yep. coaches. They're both looking for more structure. They're both looking for more offense. They're both, you know what I'm saying? They're both trying to turn it on. Now, the one thing the Islanders have that I don't think St. Louis has, the Islanders have a better goalie tandem, I believe. More yes. goalie tandem. So, you know, in terms of the St. Louis, I don't know if they're going to make it or not. I think it's a reach for them to make it, but they've right. shown that they've, you know, grown. Minnesota, we had Billy Guerin on earlier this year. Mm -hmm. He made the coaching change. They caught lightning in a bottle under John Hines. But I have to ask you, Jimmy, with all the injuries they've had and with, I think, not having Jared Spurgeon in particular, they're not that hard a team to forecheck. And if mm -hmm. you watch how teams manufacture a lot of offense against them, it's the forecheck. And they're yeah. having a hard time. And so that's one of the things that I think is causing them some problems. Yeah, it's it's been a real – I think – I don't want to say they've underachieved. It's just been underwhelming would be the word for the Minnesota Wild. Because as you mentioned, they battled injuries. But they just haven't – they start to gain traction, Pierre, and then it just – boom, it goes away. And I'll make an analogy. They kind of remind me – Minnesota – to New Jersey. New Jersey kind of reminds me of them as well with all the injuries they've mm -hmm. uh, dealt with, but also just they haven't really formed an identity. And I know that's hard when you guys, you got guys going in and out of lineup, but they still seem to be lacking that true identity that maybe they wanted at the beginning of the season. I know it. Perfect. And so I, 
you again, you look at these things. Um, I will say this about Minnesota. Like I think Jesper Wallstad is playing in the American Hockey League right now. He had a little taste earlier. They played him against Dallas. His first game, I remember lots of goalies that played their first games. They struggled a little bit. That's a tough call, too, to go into Dallas and have your first start. But I think he's going to be really good. I'm just telling you, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. And they've got a bunch of other guys. Uh, Hunter Hates a really good one. Caden Bankier is another one. Again, just knowing their depth chart a little bit. Um, and they're going to have some wiggle room to go out and get some college free agents. I, I think you're going to see Minnesota have a chance to turn the corner here a little faster than what some people think. That would be good. I hope so for Billy. Uh, all right, let's go over. I see a question over here, guys, you can pull it up because this is a topic I'd like to discuss. The Has Samsonov turned it around yet? That's from Randy Workman, and I'm guessing he means Ilya Samsonov, uh, the goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pierre, I got to say, I mean, considering where everything was headed a couple weeks ago with Samsonov and Toronto and him openly admitting that he's really struggling with mental health right now and he's lost his confidence, quite the turnaround. I know he's not perfect, but he's been he's been quite good since he came back, and it's great to see that they have a goalie like that who has regained his confidence. I'm really happy, number one, for the young man, number mm-hmm. two, for the fans in Toronto, and number three, it shows the value of the American Hockey League. Yes, it does. I'm just going to say this right now, and you know, Jimmy, how I've been for a long – ever since yep. I've known you, I've always told you this. So we're going almost 20 years now. I I, I, I go to a lot of American League games. I watch mm-hmm. a lot on TV. Um, developmental leagues are important. They're really important, and people always want to rush the process. And that's wrong. It's flawed. The best teams don't rush the process. And he needed to get reacclimated. One of the most difficult discussions I was part of in, in an NHL situation is when Ottawa decided to send Matt Murray to the American Hockey League. I was there. It was in Anaheim. And I'm just yeah. telling you, it was the former GM there, DJ Smith and myself and Matt. That was it. The only people yeah. in the room. And it was hard. You know, I've known yeah. Matt a long time. And I have so much respect for him. I remember when he was playing in Sault Ste. Marie, everybody just couldn't say enough good things about him. And they were spot on. He won two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He had lost his way. He had yeah. lost his way. And he went down to the American League, and he worked with Justin Peters. And now Justin's working in the NHL in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how all this stuff happens. Yeah. And Justin did a fantastic job with him. He, I'm telling you, he did a great job with him. And when Matt came back, you could see this was an invigorated guy. Like, he was ready yep. to play. And it played well enough so that the next year, Toronto, under Kyle Dubas, weren't afraid to bring Matt Murray in. And obviously, injuries have kicked in now. Yeah. But he was an energized guy because of the American Hockey League. And I've seen lots of players have that happen. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, Pierre, not to sidetrack a bit here, but as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about – Devon Levy in Buffalo. And, and you know, I I think he needs some consistent seasoning down there in, in the A. And, and, and that's not a knock on him. I just think he's developing. He's still he's still young. And I think he's going to turn out to be a star goalie as long as they handle it right. But don't rush the kid. That's the only thing I'd say. I just – and I think they're starting to realize that. He's been up and down a bit. But I think they're realizing maybe we put too much on him too soon. Would you agree? Yeah, Uka Pekka Lukanen is a really good goalie too. I mean, yeah. Anybody that saw him play junior in Sudbury or watch him in the American League can tell yep. you, he's a really talented kid. So, no, Devin Levi is going to be a really good NHL goalie. But you don't rush guys. 
I, I asked you this once, and I didn't know it until Scotty Bowman told me about it, but when Ken Dryden was called up by the Montreal Canadiens in 1971, go look at the game that he played before he got called up. I, I think he gave up eight in the American Hockey League game. I think I remember you telling me that, yeah. He got, he got lit up like a Roman candle. He really did. But the Canes were out of guesses. They needed somebody. And so Sam Pollock brought him up, and Al McNeil was the coach in 71, and the Canadians went on to win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, you look at some of the players in that team, the late John Bellville, John, the late John Ferguson, the late Pocket Rocket. Like, the Canes had a plethora of amazing players. <laughs> <laughs> but but the one rookie. So this guy, you know what's amazing about Ken Dryden? And I know most hockey fans are going to know this, but he won the Consmite Trophy before he was a rookie in the NHL. Yeah. You know, he won the Consmite in the Stanley Cup, and then the next year, okay, I'll, we'll give you the rookie of the year. Yeah. Year. He already won the Cup, and you already won the Consmite. That's okay. We'll just give you the rookie next year. Yeah. What a story that was. If they could all turn out like that, right? <laughs> all right. Look, let's look over. I think I saw one, guys, about the Kings, which I, I want to talk about because we already touched on them a bit. Football as well. Do you think the LA Kings players are frustrated playing Todd's trap game? Pierre, I'll let you tackle that one. Yeah, no, and I would. I, it's a pleasure to talk about it. It's a very good and it's a fair question. It's a hard style to play. Mm -hmm. It's not so much a trap. Pete DeBoer does it too. It's it's a one three one. Um, it involves a lot of neutral zone positioning. Sometimes it can be frustrating to play because you're not going to get as many points offensively. Uh, if a team knows how to play against it, you're having to turn and go back for shootings. And a lot of times, if you're going to beat that system, you're going to have to have a lot of short side shootings. So let's say a short side shooting is just to chip off the boards and force a defenseman to go back because they can't hold you up anymore. It creates problems for the guy going back to get the puck because he's going to get body slammed into the boards. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But are they frustrated? I don't know if they're frustrated. Are, could they be tired of playing it? They could be. I mean, but that's normal. Yeah. Um, it's just, it is. It's just, it's the way it is. I mean, hey, listen, Jock Lemaire is an amazing coach. Yeah. Do you think the guys really loved playing the one, two, no, two, 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 they overexpect. They overdid everybody's expectation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They went to the conference final that year, right? Do you, do you think the players had a ton of fun playing the one-two-two trap? No, mm -hmm. but it worked. But at some point, you get tired of it. That's same when thing I, it Same thing with Hitchcock and Dallas. I'll tell you that right now. Yep. The players got fed up with it, and it's not the coach's fault. It's just it works, but it's a hard style to play for sure. And that's the year uh, Minnesota went conference final. Was it 03 when they lost to Anaheim? What happened? I, we were there. It was air, right? It was the year that Mike Babcock was coaching in Anaheim, and um, Pat Burns ended up coaching against Mike in the 03 final. And <laughs> oh, what, happened in that what happened in that series was amazing. Um, I want to say it was game two. It might have been game one. Cliff Ronning was on the power play for Minnesota. I was doing the game with Gordon Miller in Minnesota, and Cliff went to shoot the puck, and his stick broke. And Mm -hmm. Robbie Niedermeyer got the puck and went in all alone and scored. And yeah. that's when I said on the air, these sticks stink. And I was really <laughs> mad because I cared who won or lost, but I, I felt bad for Cliff Ronning. I really yeah. did. 
Yeah. So the next day, it's a great story, Jimmy. I get a call from this woman in Montreal, and she says, do you have time to speak to so-and-so? And I'm not going to say his name because he was the president of a hockey manufacturing company at the time and is still a prominent person in the business. And I said, absolutely, I have time. So the gentleman comes on. He says, when's the next time you're going to be in Montreal? I said, I'll actually be there later this afternoon. How long are you going to be in town? I go, I'll be there probably for a couple of days, and i got to come back to Minnesota. He goes, okay, would you have time for lunch? I said, absolutely. And we went for lunch, and he explained to me what went into the construction of the sticks. Wow. It was, it was a very positive, informative, and professional discussion. And That's I great. basically went there expecting to get my lunch handed to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he couldn't have been more professional and polite. And, and actually, I'm going to say his name. His name is Matt O'Toole. Oh, okay. And, uh, he ran Reebok hockey for a long yep, time. Yep, I remember Matt. And he is he is an amazing guy. I still have a lot of time to talk to him. And uh, but it was great because he was so informative and so yeah. helpful, and that meant a lot to me. Rather yep. than just you know, I hate that guy McGuire because he said this. He called me up, and if somebody's going to call you up, I'm going to give them the opportunity to go visit with him, and I did. Right. And it really meant that it, he taught me a lot. It's good, and it's, it's great knowledge that you have now. You know, that's perfect. You know, one of the things about the, the car carbon fiber sticks or the composite sticks, mm -hmm. a lot of times they think they lose some of their integrity when they were put at that time under the belly of the plane yep. without being wrapped up. And so it gets cold underneath the plane, and they were thinking that that's when it would lead to some problems. So okay. we came up with wrapping them in blankets and different things to try to maintain the integrity. Mm -hmm. So I learned that as part of the process of becoming better at understanding equipment failures or greatness. Yeah. In the case of Cliff Ronnie stick breaking, it was a failure. <laughs> oh, well, but at least you knew that's great. It's a good story. All right. Next question. Do you think Tristan Thompson had one fantastic season last year and he won't be able to repeat it? Or is it a year one off such a bomb of a shot hand, big guy, hopefully he bounces back. Yeah, so I think Thompson's a really good player in Buffalo. Um, and and I, I just think that Tage has a chance uh, to do a lot of good things. He had an injury situation earlier in the year. Um, a lot of teams are keying on him, obviously. Um, they've had some injury situations with other players, so it's harder for him to maybe get some established line mates. Uh, but I, he, I think he's a – 40 to 50 goal score probably for the next five to seven years. I really yeah. believe that. He's great. He's great. And it was good to have his coach on here a couple of weeks back. Oh, it was really good. Mike Cavanaugh yeah. on our University of Connecticut. Yeah. And he was raving about, you know, his shot and he knew. I think yeah. one, of the th one of the things in Buffalo is, again, injuries have kicked in. I think there's a team building exercise that they're going to have to go through. Kevin Adams is going to have to go through. Mm -hmm. And this offseason for Buffalo in particular is going to be really important. I types agree. Of players that they have deeper in their lineup, types of players they think they can support a player like Tage, a player like, um, you know, uh, Cousins. So I, I think, you know, you look at it, um, they've got some work to do there. They really do. Yeah, I'm hearing two for Buffalo Pier, and, you know, his name has been out there a lot. One guy, and I think it would be a great pickup for a contender is Eric Johnson. Uh, that's somebody oh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, big fan. Yeah. So he's such a good person, first of all. And you think about, you know, his career and how it started. He got injured in an off-season situation at a golf tournament in St. Louis. 
when he was a first overall pick. I mean, just an awful riding in a golf cart and he shreds his knee. Um, I'll never forget he and Jack Johnson playing together at the 06 World Junior. I'll mm-hmm. never forget them playing together at the 07 World Junior. And I'll never forget them playing at the 05 World Under 18 uh, in Cheska Budiavica and Pilsen in the Czech Republic. I was mm-hmm. there for that. And you could just see these guys together were great. One guy ended up being a first overall. One guy ended up being a third overall. Um, and they were, they've had amazing careers. But the big thing about Eric Johnson, he's a great teammate. He yeah. Is really, really. Everyone I talk to that plays him says the same phenomenal, thing. Phenomenal, phenomenal team. He's, just, he's one of those blue guys you can use for a run. It's definitely would be a wise pickup if anyone can get him out of Buffalo. Well, All right, let's go to the next question. For, playoff, for playoffs, he's a great pickup. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's not going to cost too much, I wouldn't think. So. No, 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 no. All right, next question. Mitch Balin, if Woodcroft is available this offseason, could you see Montreal go after him? No. No. I think Marty's staying there. I don't think there's going to be any change. Maybe maybe as an assistant, I don't know, but not as a head coach. No, I'm, I'm, I know Coach Woodcroft really well. Uh, I think you and I both know the Montreal management team very well. Yes. Um, and I would say no to that. Yeah. And by the way, there's another Montreal question there. Let's go to it. We'll talk a bit about the Habs. Uh, rip a pack day. Do you think young players like Slavkovsky, tall, big players, can improve their skating at this stage of their career? I love Slav, but he has an awkward skating style. I 100% think they can, and I think that's what's so great about the skating coaches the teams carry and they have on their staff. That's why it's there, and they utilize it. So I, I think he can improve. I really think the sky's the limit for him, Pierre. I'm a big fan. I don't have to add any more than what Jimmy just said. We are so in sync on that one. We didn't rehearse it. It's a very fair question. It takes bigger guys longer to get up to speed, mm-hmm. but the answer is yes, 100%. His skating will improve. Uh, it'll become more fluid, and uh, I think he's going to be a superstar player in the league. And, Pierre, I, I think I see more confidence coming from him, too, out there. And Against Pittsburgh, I know he scored. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But it was some of the plays he made when he didn't score. Exactly. And you start to see it, and you're like, okay, this guy's going to be a dominant power yeah. He's going to be no fun to play against. And he's so young still, so it's it's just it's oh, a good just, situation for the Canadians yeah. to have. All right, next question. Justin LeBron, if you had to pick a cup winner right now, who would it be? Oof. Right in a spot? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with what Pierre said last week. You said Vancouver, maybe. I could see them doing it. And in they the East, could. the they East here, Here's how I'm going to – and I hate to do this because I'm not trying to hedge. I'm going to make a prediction that the trade deadline this year is going to affect the outcome of the Stanley Cup winner. Whomever makes the best – trade deadline acquisition, kind of like Pittsburgh in 91 and again in 92. Mm-hmm. They won the cup in both those years. They made the two best trade deadline deals. I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. So if Colorado makes the right trade deadline pickups, flips, yeah. they could flip over Vancouver. Mm-hmm. If Vancouver, and you know Jimmy Rutherford's not shy. By the oh, way, yeah. we got to get Jimmy on here. So oh, we got to do. And you know he strikes early too, Pierre. That's his MO. He likes to set the market. There's no yep. question. So if Jimmy strikes early, you know, then I think they've got a chance. I, I'm The more and more I'm watching Vancouver, the way they came back, they were terrible at the first period against Columbus. Yeah. The way they came back, there's, you know, Pedersen's legit. He's a superstar. Brock Besser, who would have thought? Phenomenal year. Good for him. Uh, Quinn, yeah, great for him, especially after yeah. losing his father. Can I tell you a quick Brock Besser story? Sure. 
I'll make it fast. It's time for that. I've heard he's a great guy. So great guy. It, two years, three years ago now, um, my son's playing in Penticton, and his coach, Fred Harbinson, calls me up. And I usually when I see that, I'm like, uh-oh, Ryan did something wrong. <laughs> I go, hello. And he goes, Pierre, I need a favor. I'm like, okay, phew, my kid didn't do anything wrong. Um, and he goes, uh, there's a young man in our community. He's sick. He's at the Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver. And um, do you know any Canucks that could go and visit him and maybe bring him some memorabilia? He's down there with his mother, and they're living there, and they're going to be there for a while. I said, I know somebody. I'm going to call him right now. So I first texted to make sure it was okay to call, and it was Brock. And he said, absolutely. So I got in touch with him, and I told him the story. He goes, you know what? We were there last week. Obviously, that young man hadn't been there yet. He yeah. goes, but I'll go back. Wow. So that Besser went and got a sweater, signed it, mm-hmm. brought it there, and spent time with the young man in the hospital. Oh. Okay, this is the kind of person Brock Besser is. And he didn't want anybody to know. Yeah. He, he's a, he's an awesome human being. Like, this is, so he's obviously having a great year. Yeah. Um, and then look at the goalie tandem. We talked about it last week. Emko yep. and DeSmith. What a pickup DeSmith has been. Well, insider knowledge. Yeah, the GM knows him. Talk at the coach knows him. Yo, the coach knows him. Gonchar, the coach yep. knows him. And Rutherford, the president knows him. Yep. You do that on Wall Street. It's called insider trading. You go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Rutherford tends to do that a lot, my friend. All right, next question. Once it, oh, this is Alex Evanoski again. Once a team commits to a full rebuild, how long does it usually take for that team to make the playoffs again and be out of the rebuild? Probably I think unique. it's unique to every situation, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna. Say it is. Um, it depends on the decisions you make. It depends how deep the drafts are. That you know you're going through. It depends if you win the lottery. You don't win the lottery. It depends on some of the acquisitions you make. It depends where you are in the cap. It depends on how enlightened your owner is. That's mm-hmm. a big part of it too. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna say three to five years. Yeah, that's where I would have it. Ballpark for sure. You All know, right. I was, I was oh. part of one. I was part of a rebuild recently. Um, and we were really on the right track. And then, unfortunately, ownership passed away. Yeah. Um, and when that happened, the rebuild kind of had to get reset. was very, yeah. unfortunate, very unfortunate. I think, too, Pierre, it, 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 just going back to Philly to kind of link it all together, you look at a team like Philly who, by all accounts, is in a rebuild. What happens when you, when you exceed the expectations early in the rebuild? Uh, in your opinion, I, I would think you want to stay the course, but have you seen teams – maybe get a little too ahead of themselves and then ba-boom. You're a really good journalist for a reason. Yes, I That's know. Good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the problem is, you ever seen that movie where the guy says uh, he's writing checks, his body can't cash? Mm-hmm. It's one of those deals. Yeah. You know, it's one of those where um, you need to be really smart and disciplined when you're going through a rebuild and you can't, you've got to almost eliminate the white noise. You got to just turn it off. Yeah. Stay true to your, it's like when I train young players in the summer, I talk to them before we start on the ice and I talk to them at the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning I say, what do you want to accomplish this summer? And they'll tell me three or four things. That's perfect. That's what we're going to work on. And at the end of summer, first thing I'll say is what did you want to accomplish at the beginning of the summer? And hopefully most of them match up to where they were at the beginning. Sometimes they don't because they cheated the process. They saw one or two things were going well, 
and the things that were going well, they kept working on, and the things that weren't going well, they flushed those out the door. Yeah, it's no fun to work on your negative things, you know. Yep. It's only fun to work on the positive. So you got to turn off the white noise. I mean, you just got to be listening to the people that you trust the most internally when you're going through a rebuild. I agree. And that's why I would I, like you had that Montreal question earlier. They're they're not going to veer away. I mean, they've got they've got a plan, and I, I respect what they're doing up there. It's probably the toughest market to do in it in the NHL, maybe in pro sports to go through a rebuild. Uh, but they're sticking with it, and I respect that. Well, the other part too is you heard me say that little thing about ownership being involved. Yeah, they have to give you the the oh, blessing backing, and I think Jeff Molson understands. Yeah, that they're going to win the cup. They see the neighborhood that they're in. They see where Ottawa is. They see where Boston is. They see where Tampa is. They see where Florida is. They see where Detroit is, and they see where Buffalo is, and they see where Toronto is. The Atlantic Division is a tough neighborhood. Yeah. And so, how are you going to do it? You know, you got to look at it cyclically, and I think Jeff understands that now. And yeah. so, I, I think they're going to be well on their way to getting this thing fixed in Montreal. I'm with you. All right, we got time for a few more here. What do we got? Hundred percent. Mitch Balin, is Patrick Waugh Lou Lamorell's last big play to keep his job? Well, I don't think he's well, I don't know about Lou keeping his job because that's up to, you know, Lou. Making I think that's that pretty decision. much up to Lou. Yeah, and, and obviously Mr. Malkin and Mr. Ledecky, the two owners. Yeah. But I would say Lou probably has a pretty wide swath that he can walk through mm-hmm. and not have to worry. Um, but I will say this, uh, Mitch, and it's a good, fair question. Patrick is the last gasp effort to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And you know what, Pierre? They haven't exactly had the bump that I think they were hoping for. They played better, but they did not. They can't gain much traction right now. That would have me worried. They're not scoring enough, and they're relying on too few guys to score. Exactly. You know, and and it, he just signed with Colorado. But they miss Zach Parisi. Oh yeah, they do. They miss. I know. Zach. By the way, congratulations! I was glad to see uh, Parisi get get a job again. So, so <laughs> I'm obviously a huge fan. I'll never forget his draft day in Nashville. Um, yeah, he's an awesome, awesome guy. It almost led to a major major fist fight between Mike Milbury and I on an airplane flying from uh, Nashville <laughs> to New York. Yeah, yeah. As I, I just said they the Islanders drafted Robert Nelson. And they passed on Zach. And I, I was just – I couldn't believe it. I'd yeah. seen both players play a ton. You know, Nielsen was playing over in Switzerland, and his father's the great Kent Nielsen, who was a phenomenal NHL player. And Robert was not his dad. Yeah. You know, and Zach was every bit – Zach Parise was every bit his dad and more. Yeah. And, and I can tell you this right now, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, there was not a lot of kids in those days that wanted to be New York Islanders. There were not. Yeah. There was one that I knew in that draft did, and his name was Zach Parisi. And they missed on it. And they passed on him. And what does New Jersey do? <laughs> Trade to get up. Oh, really? You're going to pass on him? Okay. Yep. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And the rest is history. I mean, Lou. but sweet Lou. Yeah. Lou was, Lou was on it then, boy. He was hard. Yep. On it. He was smart. He's good. All right. Next question. If we go, uh, Randy Workman, you guys think Monahan to the Rangers or Avs? So it could be. I think that's a great Randy, call. Way to go, Randy. This is yep. such a good take by Randy. 
Um, because of what's going on with Filipino, because Nick Benino just went on waivers and the Rangers, he cleared he's down in Hartford right now. And by the way, just I, he might even be watching this because he's such a hockey guy. Nick Benino, what an amazing career you had, 35 yeah. years of age. It started at Avon Old Farms. It went to Boston University. I can't say enough good things about, you know, drafted by San Jose. I can't say enough good things about Nick Benino and yeah. the career that he had. Everybody has this happen to them if they stay long, and he obviously has stayed long. He's playing for eight hundred and eighty thousand, I think, this year on a one-year deal. Yeah. But he's cleared, so now Filipino had a scary incident in practice the other day, um, so he's shut down for the year. So they're two centers slight. Yeah, and I think that Monahan would be a great fit there in, in uh, Colorado. Hundred percent, would be a good fit. Hundred yeah. percent. So Randy Workman, that's that's really good. That, that's a great take by Randy. And, you know, I heard you talking uh, with our friend Mitch Melnick on Friday, Pierre. I mean, you think that the Canadians could get a pretty good return from one hand, huh? A little better than what some of the pundits are saying. Yeah. Depends on how they're valuing. Yeah, I think it depends on how quick some of these teams want to try to do this. Mm -hmm. If I'm the Rangers now and I see, you know, forget Saturday night in Ottawa, they haven't been playing really well. Even on Saturday, in the first period, they didn't play well. Well, They were lucky the goalie just – was no good. I mean, it yeah. happens, you know, but I, I would just say that the, if the Rangers bite early or Colorado wants to create different marketplace, they might be able to do it. But mm-hmm. I, I think Monaghan's value is a lot higher than what people are saying. Yeah, I'd agree. Imagine if he ends up with the Boston Bruins pair, a well, Bruins Canadians trade. So I've, I've said that to you and, yep. you know, and everybody's like, yeah, I don't know, but I, I think you never know. You, know. you know the Bruins team better than anybody, except for maybe Donnie Sweeney and Jimmy Montgomery. I, I really believe that. Just again, I'm not trying to boost you up here too much. Too much. <laughs> I appreciate it. checks in the mail, Pierre. <laughs> you, know you 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 really know their team. Mm-hmm. Do you imagine Monahan there? I know. It would make it. I mean, I think it changes everything. In conference, yeah. yeah up there. He, he, look, and you know this myth that he's he's always injured. He hasn't missed a game this season. No, he's healthy. He's playing great. That's not legit. That's you know. Anyways, I'm not going to yeah. down that. I want no. To so I, I I think he'd be a great pickup for a lot of teams. But man, I'll give you a trivia, Pierre. When was the last trade between the Canadians and Bruins? I know this only because one of the players is a friend of mine, Eric Weinrich, run for Pascal yep. friend, to Trepanier. There you go. Exactly. That's the reason I know that. <laughs> 2001. Imagine yeah. that. So they haven't had a trade. That's geez, over 20 years. All right. One more question, then we'll we'll wrap it up. Antonio, Canadians have so much depth on D. They have a lot of options to trade for a young forward. If you were the GM of the Canadians, who would you target? Well, that's that's a it's a good question, Antonio. It's broad based, though. I think you need more pure scoring. I think you need bigger. Sure. Um, I think you're gonna be good down the middle when when Newhook's healthy, when Kirby Doc's healthy, they're obviously going to trade Monaghan. Um, so you're going to have – like, let's just be fair about it. Mm-hmm. Let's just say Jake Evans is your four. Let's say, for the sake of argument, Newhook is your three. Let's say Doc's your two. Let's say Suzuki's your one. Mm-hmm. Pretty That's good. That's pretty right? good. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and I you like it. And you put Newhook ahead of, of Doc and you slide Doc down. You know, yep. start to establish more of a checking role for Kirby. Either way, um, I think the Canes are going to be good at center. I, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd be looking more for a scoring winger. Yeah. Don't forget, Lane Hudson's coming. Mm-hmm. Run your power play. 
So that's going to take a lot off of Matheson's plate. And I know you know this, but this is for the Canadians fans out there. Boston University and Boston College played two game series this weekend. Electric. Rulings were sold out as electrifying in Boston yep. on Friday and Saturday night for a lot of reasons. You had Harvard Cornell, Harvard Colgate, you had BUBC, BUBC. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Four major games going on in Boston. And all the time, crowds were full in both buildings. All actually four sellouts. Yeah. And two at Harvard and one at BC, one at BU. Pretty amazing. Um, Jacob Fowler. He was a difference, Pierre. Rolly. All weekend, he was a difference. 100%. Oh. How long have we been talking about yep. this? You, were, you hit the nail on the head, man. I'm telling you, he was a showstopper out there, especially at BU, Pierre, where he, you know, just when it seemed like BU was starting to get some momentum and get back into it, he would just shut the door and you could see BC feed off him. I mean, we were talking earlier in the top of the show about Saros. It was those type of saves he was making, really confidence-boosting saves. Yep. Unbelievable performance by him. I was really no, impressed. So begs the question, does he stay another year, or do they pull him and say, we're taking you out for one year, mm -hmm. speed up the process, and you're going to be the starting goalie in Laval. You're going to play 50 games, and then the next year – Barring something crazy, to the show. you're gonna yeah. be in the show. Yeah, Does it's gonna be interesting. I would do it. I mean, he's got the he's got the ability to, I think, play at that level, no problem. Yeah, and you know they're gonna trade. He handles pressure well too, and they're gonna trade Jake Allen. Yep. So, <sighs> I think they have to think about it. I, I'm with you, Pierre, and I love the way he handles pressure. I mean, like you were trying to say to our listeners, just for people who don't, aren't aware, what a rivalry that is. BCBU is like the rivalry around here. They hate each other. And th those crowds were rocking. So for him to go in and play the way he did in a pressure cooker like that was pretty impressive. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So it'll be interesting what happens there. All right. We appreciate everybody asking these questions. We love them. We love answering these. And Pierre, we uh, you want to tell everybody uh, who our guest is tomorrow? Really excited. Yeah, we've got the great Kenny Albert, the national voice of the National Hockey League right now on TNT and tremendous football broadcaster, awesome baseball broadcaster. It's amazing. He's one of my partners for 16 years. So I'm really excited that we're going to have Kenny on. And on uh, Thursday, we're going to have the great John Shannon, who created the template for Hockey Night in Canada right after the late Ralph Mellonby. And, and uh, John is just an amazing hockey aficionado he does some tv work in canada right now but mostly runs a very successful podcast in canada all things hockey and it was jimmy's idea think about it the all-star games in toronto yeah ron shannon's all Toronto. even though he's a western yeah. canadian he's from british columbia he's a torontonian now yep and so he'll know all the things happening with the all-star game and the leafs and everything else so excited about that and then on friday Coming off his two major wins over the University of Denver, Brad Berry, the head coach at the uh, University of North Dakota, and uh, oh, yeah. I've known Brad a long time. I'm a huge fan. Uh, when I was working in Ottawa, um, we had Tyler Clevin there. We had Jake Sanderson there. I, I went into Dakota a lot and uh, trying to get those kids to turn pro, and Jake obviously came out mm -hmm. after his sophomore year, and, and Tyler came out. After his junior year, Tyler's playing in Belleville now. Jake's obviously a star in Ottawa. 
Um, but Brad was tremendous to deal with. And Jimmy, I got to tell you, today when I got in touch with him and asked him to come on, he goes, yeah, I've been hearing about this. He goes, how do I hook it up? So I, I told him, and uh, it's really – yeah, I mean, I was excited because he was texting with me. And yeah, it's great. Miami, they're playing at Miami on uh, Friday and Saturday. So we're actually going to have him on at 4.05 Eastern so that he can get on the bus to go to the game at 4.45. <laughs> so we're going to get him just in a little earlier. Beautiful. Though, so. And yeah. we're still – and, Jimmy, you know, maybe you want to tell the listeners, on Wednesday we're efforting – to get yeah. an NHL GM, we just – it hasn't happened yet, and we don't want to we promise anything until we, we'll we get it. Out. We're we'll figure it out. Speaking of North Speaking Dakota, too, here, you've broadcasted a couple games there. Didn't you do a game with Doctor or no? I, uh, I've done three – well, two and a half weeks worth of broadcasting from there in the 05 World Junior. Yep. Um, and it was uh, – That's a great it barn, so eh? there. It was so cold there that in 2005 – this is a good story – that <laughs> – People that um, the people that worked on our uh, television crews, they put the TV cables from the mobile into the arena, the Ralph Engelstad Arena, which is spectacular. It is unbelievable. And at the end of the tournament, it was so cold there during that two and a half week period, the cables froze in the ground. Oh wow! So they they had to bring flame. I'm not kidding you. They had to bring <laughs> flamethrowers. And they were shooting the flamethrowers over the cables to get them out of the ground. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I walked over there from the hotel, and it was cold. It was a cold walk. And I had my late father there. Uh, uh -huh. He grew up in Grand Fork, so I had my late oh, okay. dad at the time. And, we were, and it was cold, and he was a hardy guy, and he said, ooh, it's cold today. And I see these guys with flamethrowers. I go, what the hell? I thought it was like a terrorist attack. What these guys doing? <laughs> and they, they ended up telling me, they said, oh, we're trying to get the cables out of the ground. We needed to use a flame wow. to get it out. Oh, my gosh. Got to do what you got to do. You got to make it work. <laughs> Amazing. It there you go. Time. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for our production crew. Thanks, everybody watching and listening. He's Pierre McGuire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.